swipe right. Somebody swiped right on me. <laughs> First time somebody ever swiped right on me in my life. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that's what... Is there a caddy Tinder house? <laughs> yeah, that... Wouldn't that be something? All right, everybody. What's happening? How you living? No putts given. Tony? How's the house so, going? <laughs> it is a... Uh... It's a work in endless. Is it an unmitigated disaster yet or no? It's uh, boy, it's getting there. Um, you know, when the people who bought your house want to close and you can't because the house you're building isn't ready. It's, yeah, it's a situation. Like a hotel. We're navigating like a hotel it. Problem. <clears throat> yeah. It's, uh, it's fine. Right. So last yeah. week I caddied on the corn ferry tour. And uh, thought this might be a nice opportunity to invite people inside the ropes, have you guys grill me a little bit on what it's like. As you know, I'm not a professional caddy. I'm not uh, a professional much anything at times, but had the opportunity to caddy for MJ Duffy, who, as some of you will remember, some of you are just like, who the hell's MJ Duffy? Do you know who MJ Duffy is, Harry? By the way, I'm Harry. Just to, thanks for the introduction there, Chris. <laughs> like people don't know who you are. I'm really giving you crap. They've uh, read the magazines. They've I seen... didn't. I didn't. I didn't know any <laughs> Duffy until the U.S. Open. Yeah. So, Corn Ferry Tour player, uh, but you know, was leading the U.S. Open there at Brookline for for a fair minute, um, and uh, hit the. I guess the most memorable shot was the one on number eight, I believe, right off the hospitality area, seven wood, five wood, something like that in between two trees. Was it, and... was it eight? Wasn't it eight? I swear it was like 14, the par five, where he hit a three wood, right? I'm not, yeah, I'm let's call it 14, eight, 14. What's the difference? Same, same. At the US Open. On, on some <laughs> hole, he hit some shot with some <laughs> club, and it appears to have been at least slightly right. memorable <laughs> so long story short uh next week we have you know corn ferry event at my home course at tpc colorado and um get an inquiry from one uh, sam saunders who says hey got a buddy mj's looking for a caddy for the week are you interested and i was planning on on hopefully caddying that week if possible it's uh you know home course home event those those kind of things and i was like sure yeah let's uh let's give it a run i've caddied out there a number of times and so they, they came to you directly. So you were you were by special request. Well, I didn't, so that was going to be my first question was like, hey, did, did somebody come to you or was like, you know, you're just kind of scrolling on, on Craigslist or a Facebook <laughs> ad. And it was like, swipe right. You know, Caddy somebody wanted for right a on Corn me. Ferry Tour event. <laughs> first time somebody ever swiped right on me in my life. Um, so, yeah, that's what. Is there a Caddy Tinder? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't that be something? Um, he looks fat. I don't think he can. <laughs> that guy can't. Ride. That guy can't possibly <laughs> walk thirty six holes, let alone seventy two. Um, so no, yeah. Typically, the way it works, and, and and it's an interesting thing, right? Like you'll always have guys that will show up without a caddy for whatever reason. There might be, you know, there's local qualifiers, and um, you know, they don't know if they're going to qualify or not. Boom, they, you know, guys will maybe call their college coach if they're around, or a family friend, or we saw that with uh, wasn't that like Akshay? Um, 
Badia that had uh, his girlfriend or whatever. I have no idea. This uh, is yeah. Yeah, a couple weeks back, that. and so... That's the extent of it. You know, you, you get a lot of those situations. Um, you know, in this case, we always have kind of a group of us out there that are willing to caddy if somebody needs one for this particular event. Um, and just so happened in this case, uh, MJ's regular caddy, uh, I think had like surgical procedure, shoulder, something like that. He's already exempt on the PJ Tour next year. Um, so he'll have a full PJ Tour schedule next year. He's, I think he was currently fourth or maybe fifth by that week. He was fifth on the money list. Um, you know, in the top 25 Corn Ferry get their automatic uh, PJ Tour card. So he's, you know, already over that point threshold to, to do that. So, um, you know, he's just looking for, for somebody uh, for the week and, and like I said, Sam Sam Saunders reached out, um, and I said, "Yeah, let's give it a run." So <clears throat> that was my first mistake. How would you like a caddy for somebody else? <laughs> Definitely not me. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> Maybe somebody else. Yeah, I said, "Yeah, sure, why not? Let's go." And I kind of knew who MJ was at least. And Sam was like, "Oh, this is, you know, this is going to be interesting." So yeah, like I said, figured it'd be a great time. You know, Harry as as an accomplished player, somebody who plays in events, maybe even aspires to have an opportunity in those. And and then you know, Tony and and you and I are both in that very amateur journeyman. Uh, maybe the biggest event we play in is the the Tuesday night league or Wednesday night league or occasional member hey, guest. In, in my club now, those are those are now tournament scores oh. apparently. So, Ooh. yeah, I just thought it'd be fun for you guys to anyway. Poke me with a bunch of questions, and and uh, you know what is it like to actually do that for a week as somebody who who doesn't really do that for a living, you know? Like how do you how do you start them? So so Sam Saunders puts you in in touch with MJ, I presume, because you've already agreed. So there's no interview, right? Like he doesn't he doesn't be like, ah, you know what? I got I got three potential scrub caddies. So you were just his guy. Right? Yeah, I mean Sam had kind of vouched for me. I've known Sam for quite a while. And so I think it was kind of implicit, like, hey, you know, I got a guy for you. He'll, you know, you can at least tolerate him for a week. He won't, he won't, <laughs> you know, worst case scenario, you basically have somebody that to lug your shit around all over the course. And, you know, uh, you know, worst case scenario, you, you got that for a week or if you miss the cut through, you know, through Friday. But um, so, yeah, there wasn't this was just kind of a one off kind of deal. So what are, what are those preliminary conversations with, with MJ like? Like obviously you're not you're not meeting each other on the first tee on on Thursday. So what are those initial? Yeah, so like met him on the range on that Monday, um, and actually David Bray was out there PG or the Ping Tour rep, um, and we had launch monitor stuff out because Colorado's at roughly five thousand feet elevation, and so actually the first thing we did was we met on the range and started having the conversation or continuing the conversation of should we tweak anything in the bag for this week based on the course course conditions and in this case like i said being in colorado the biggest variable is elevation and so um really what we ended up doing was just kind of dialing in numbers saying okay eight irons this seven irons this da 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 but then spent the most time tweaking driver three wood which for him is actually a five wood and a seven wood um, and we, in, in, in almost all cases, we increased launch and increased spin. We were actually trying to get 12 ish degrees of launch, 12 to 13, and as close to 3000 spin as we could, um, for driver. because what's up for, for the driver, for the driver. 
Yeah, because he wanted to carry it like at sea level. He would carry it around 305. So we were targeting a 335 to 340 number at at Colorado. So so we're looking at you know looking at the yardage book and saying, okay, what carries from which tee boxes? Where is this going to be advantageous to us to try and carry it that that number? And he did hit a couple that got down to like 2200, and they carried like 354. <laughs> it was just. <laughs> it was pretty ridiculous, but that that's really what we spent Monday doing. And, and I think he's just kind of getting a feel for me and, and I was kind of getting a feel for, um, for him. And then, like I said, chatting with some of the ping tour guys, like, Hey, what do I need to know? What's helpful? Um, kind of a crash course. Right. So that was kind of, that was kind of Monday, Tuesday. Were they like, you need a hat? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, so they gave me like six hats and like one in each of the different colors. I was like, okay, well, and then they gave me some, uh, they gave me some visors, which I'm probably going to give away because this doesn't work with. You do, yeah, you're not. You don't have the. Hair. <laughs> I, don't have the hair, I don't have the hair for a visor. You could you, you could turn up your your top of your noggin though. You could I, you could turn it right. Harry up. can hairless us can't. Yeah. Yeah. So my question. Th- yeah, go my, ahead. Sorry, my question is, how? One, do they have green green reading books? Because there was also a green, like a gray area of, right? PGA Tours banned banned them, right? Uh huh. Well, they do. Yeah. Do the lower leagues, uh, lower leagues, you know, the the ones coming up, allow for the same thing? Yeah. So so they have an, and I can post some pictures of this maybe on there as well. But um, basically they have a tour approved yardage book that you can buy or that you you have to buy they're like 40 bucks um and i think that's probably pretty universal but it's like boom here's the pj tour yardage book i had one from last year when i caddied um and those were the ones couldn't use anymore because effectively they had too much detail right on the greens and so these ones basically they still have like a little grid right where every box or every line is five yards and so you have the green on a grid and then it'll have a little bit of general information on slopes but not nearly the level of detail and specificity that um you know that you everything runs towards the creek or the pond (laughs) yeah i mean and honestly that's where that's the local knowledge if you will i think kind of away from the mountains into the creek (laughs) exactly if I understand how, how every golf yeah, course works. Yeah, so theoretically, away from big things and towards low areas, away from high areas towards towards low areas, all things notwithstanding. In, in conjunction with gravity. <laughs> right, exactly. So, yeah, so that was, let's see, that was Monday. Tuesday, we played a practice round, played just nine holes, um, and then practiced uh, specific shots. Again, you kind of learn, like, these guys are – so you and you're out there the whole time, right? Like you don't you don't get to be like, well, I'll see you later. You know, I got stuff to do. <laughs> no. You're you're full time caddy for the yeah, game. more or less. Like I think you know, it's like, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna get out there. Let's get out there around lunch, play nine holes, and do this. Um, but like when you're there, you know, obviously you want the player. You're there and you're available for whatever they need. Um, and so, yeah, I did nine holes of practice on Tuesday, and then the top players, whatever, are in the pro am situation. So. <laughs> We played nine holes on Monday, or sorry, on Wednesday morning as part of the pro am. Uh, then again, practiced a little bit after that to around lunch, one o'clock, um, and then and then it was get ready for tourney time on Thursday. So like you get the, you get the staff bag, I assume, right? He's carrying a staff bag for the first time. Did you do like like the like the 
the caddy master starter at, at Bandon Dunes, like in the first tee, you open yeah. everything up and be like, no, you don't, you don't you need, need this. Need you definitely know it's not going to rain today. We're going to take this out. You know what? We're going to swap this out for a lighter bag while we're here. Don't worry. You can, you know, leave your wallet. Whatever you want to do, we'll pick it up later. It'll be just in that shack over there. Or are you just like, oh, this is, uh, I guess, game. This is it. I'm going to shut uh, my mouth. And... The two things that weigh the most. So, number one, no, there's no going through and, and uh, extricating any you know, a superfluous materials. <laughs> You're just going with, with what's ever in there. But, um, number two, it was pretty hot, right? So at this point in time, it's hot. So you're carrying a lot of liquid and that's the two things that will weigh you down really are liquid and golf balls. Um, in fact, this was actually, here's a funny story for you. So we were on, this was day three. Um, he made the cut playing day three Saturday. We're playing with Curtis luck who Australian guy, former um, number one ranked amateur in the world. I think 2017 he won the USAM. Um, maybe fact check that. <clears throat> Sounds familiar. Like yeah. I know the name. Title of Stafford. Great dude. Super nice guy. We had blast playing with him. He, he was awesome. Um, we get to the 15th tee, which is a slightly uphill par five. And he's kind of kneeling behind his bag. And all of a sudden, he just starts chucking brand new Pro V1s out of his bag. And I'm kind of looking at MJ. MJ looks like... The hell's he doing? What's he? And he's like, I have way too many balls in here. This is way too heavy. He's basically just checking these new balls. So what do I do? <laughs> I run over there and I grab them. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, were they left? They were, no, they were 2019 Pro V1X, which actually is the same ball that MJ plays, not the 2021. They both played the, the 2019, uh, one. So, um, I just had him for extras because he would sign them and give them to kids after the round or whatever. But like, those are perfectly good brand new Pro V1Xs. I will, for four holes, you know, had it been on hole two, I don't know if I would have grabbed them, but I'm like, we're already on 15. Free golf balls. Let's go. So. All right. So you've got Wednesday out of the way. You're, you're going to your tee time and you get on that first tee. Were you nervous regarding a normal, so you have a tournament around yourself that you play? Were you shitting your pants more or less? being a more. caddy than you were playing a hundred percent more a thousand percent more like i had that little gurgly feeling in my stomach where you're like "Ooh, if i fart right now like this could <laughs> this could I, I might gamble and lose um, what were you what were you nervous about like so just just un, un, the unexpected or exactly it's like it's always you don't know what you don't know like i'm worried that you know because it's dead quiet you know, something's going to happen where your shoe squeaks or something bizarre, your phone, you left your phone on in the bag and it goes off like at the worst possible, like you're just, you know, you just, cause I was trying to explain to somebody else, like being a caddy, I think is a lot like, you know, holding for extra points, you know, in the NFL, like you think about Tony Romo, no, everybody knows he, he held for extra points only when he screwed up. Like, I think that's a lot of being a caddy. People really only notice you if you do something wrong. You get a wrong yardage. You know, you have 15 clubs in the bag. Like, remember Ian Wisnum's caddy when <laughs> he just went ape shit on him? He's like, you have one job, you know? And and it's like, I think it's that. It's like, it's 
Like, I wasn't nervous. To get to the first tee and literally, like, just chuck everything out of the bag, <laughs> like, all the clubs and be like, right, I counted. One, I counted to 14. Two. I did. I counted to 14, like, seven times before that I first round. I would do the same thing. I wanted, I wanted to be 100% sure that there were only, like, if there were 13, fine, you know, or whatever. But, like, I was just nervous I was going to screw up something really easy that people would be like, honestly, how do you screw that up? Like, that's so simple. But... When you're trying to think of a thousand different things, you can totally see where, you know, you're trying to do A, B, C, D, and E, and then you forget something super basic, you know, the towel's not wet or whatever. So, yeah, was I nervous? Yeah, I was way more nervous than any tournament I've ever played in because, you know, if you hit a bad shot, you blame your equipment, you know, or you blame yourself or whatever. But when you're there and your number one job is to try to make somebody else's job easier... Like, it's almost like it's only going to be noticeable if I screw something up. And right, so what, I really, so really what, didn't want to screw anything up. So what did he want from you then? Did he just was like, all right, just give me, you know, I'll do, I'll do everything. Or did, did he want everything from you? And then you messed up something and he said, all right, don't, I don't want you doing that anymore. Just let me know. Just let me know this. And then if you mess up that, then he just, just carry the bloody bag. <laughs> just, just carry the bag. Keep like, up, what, shut what up. He, what did he want from you? Shut up. What did he want from you? So it's interesting. He, um, MJ was really, really open to everything. He wanted help. I shouldn't say help. He, <clears throat> he wanted to do, cause we're at elevation, right? So you're, you know, you're factoring in a percentage of somewhere between seven and a half and 10% of either increase or decrease carry. Right. So he wanted me and we both did the math on every shot to make sure that we were getting, the right yardages of which we screwed up one and i i take 78 percent of the blame for for the one yardage we screwed up um but we wanted to do that and then sight lines off tees um because he had never seen the course he had never played it i mean the practice round was the first time he ever ever saw the course so he really wanted a lot of input on okay you know what's the sight line here and then you know where can i miss where can't i miss you know if i if i leave it in this bunker is that you know is that a viable up and down or not um so a lot of the course management stuff you know really um he wanted a lot of input and 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 honestly he followed you know the vast majority of it when it got to the greens he's a very very good putter um and i want to say double check the stats but i think he at the u.s open that week i want to say he was maybe like second in strokes game putting for the week um and you guys both know those greens not not easy to put on at all um and he's a very he he's an excellent putter and so he would really call me in for confirmation like hey i'm seeing this inside right or um you know, occasionally he would, before he would even, this is more the third and fourth day, before he would totally read the putt, he would just say, hey, Chris, what do you see here? And I'd say, well, it's definitely right to left. And he'd say, okay, that's all I need. Or I would say, yeah, it's definitely <laughs> right to left. And I think what's interesting is we, we started reading putts a lot differently than I had read them before. He wanted to know, hey, where do you think this ball should be two feet from the hole, four feet from the hole? And I was like, huh. So we started really talking about, okay, at two feet from the hole, it needs to have, you know, it needs to be inside right, or it has to be still off the hole or, you know, whatever the case was. So, what's, so what do you mean by it's two feet from the hole? So you're trying to putt, if from two feet from the hole, I'm trying to see what it does from there. And then obviously speed dictates on the rest of the two feet. So mm -hmm. 
say, all right, if I'm going to go a little bit firmer at two feet before the hole, I can play it, you know, inside right or whatever you just said. Yep. But if at the if I play it a little bit more die, kind of like at the hole, then I want to be outside. Yeah, it's going to die left. So two feet from okay. the hole, it has to be, you know, inside right or right edge or it's not going in. So it has yeah. to be at least here. So just like kind of those little things, figuring out what, what gave him confidence, you know, what he wanted to know. Because, you know, once you eliminate all the variables and it's like, okay, then you got to hit the shot. And then golf happens, right? It yeah. hits a spike mark. It doesn't. It, it's slower than you thought. It's a little faster than you thought. It's, you know, whatever it is. Um, but I would say it's as involved as I've been, you know, in win catting event for a player at that level. Um, yeah so for me like if i'm playing on my own in a competition i'm thinking i'm walking down the fairway or probably riding down the fairway because that's what we do um i'm thinking all right so i'm gonna have probably about 160 in pins five from the right so all right so i'm now making sure that i'm all right so short and right is dead long and right is dead blah 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 so i need to aim three yards to the left and hit my dispersion shot. So I'm, because I'm starting to do decade, that kind of stuff. Yep. I was going to say, um, that sounds very decade-ish what you were just yeah, saying. Yeah, so I'm, so I was doing, I was doing, I'm doing that mentally. Mm-hmm. Um, I very rarely go for pins because I'm playing two areas. And then if I end up pushing it onto a, a pin, you know, so if I end up pushing it onto a pin, and it goes next to the hole, it's not because I'm trying to do that. I'm yeah. not going pin-seeking. Um, I'm just playing to my dispersion pattern. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's helped out a lot. Does he do this something similar, or does he like, all right, I'm dialed in, I'm going for the pin? No, I mean, I I would say, you know, iron play is, again, probably a strength of his game. You know, driver, if I, if I were to look at his strokes gained stuff, you know, I, I wouldn't be at all surprised if he gained a significant amount of strokes off the tee, you know, gained significant strokes putting iron play really, really solid. Um, maybe his largest weakness if they're, I mean, you know, it's, it's all relative right at that level. What's, what's weak is like, man, I, I would take his game, um, you know, but maybe in, in a lot of people struggle first time at elevation on partial shots um, because the spin maybe drops more than you think. Um, so, you know, sometimes the ball will fly a little bit too far, even when you're trying to, you know, take three quarters or something. But I would say this, like he, when I was giving him feedback on that, so like, for example, number 17, one day we had a back left pin, kind of middle left pin and long left is just dead. I mean, it is, it is dead. It's, it's a minus two at least maybe minus three for, for decade people. So I'm adding that. So when he's, when we're talking through it, I'm basically picking decade targets more or less for myself. So if we had 144 to the pin and so I'm already taking seven off the left, I took another three or four off the left. So now we're like 11 ish. So we're like four or five yards right and slightly short of this pin from 140 yards. We're hitting 138 or 139 yard carry is what we're going for. Um, and like, that's how I would work through it a lot. And he picked a lot. I don't think he uses decade. I don't know that he does. Um, but he picked a lot of decade appropriate targets 
through his own plan. He did want to go at some pins that maybe I would have been slightly more conservative on. But, um, you know, I think, again, especially when you don't know the person super well or mm-hmm. or whatever, I was never going to talk him out of a club or a yardage or a shot that I felt he was confident with, right? Because the last thing you can do, second-guessing any shot, whether it's the right one or not, is probably, you know, probably no bueno. So um, if he was confident in it, say, hey, I'm going to hit this, okay, there we go. Let's get it. Um, so, so he was playing. He was playing for percent. He was playing percentage golf, basically, and then and let his putter do the talking and roll a couple of fifteen footers in. Uh, a around. lot of fifteen footers. Yeah, the and last day. Yeah, last day he made eight birdies in an eagle, um, and it's not like he hit it to a foot all day. Yeah. Um, and that's so he's just playing a percentage and if his part gets hot it gets hot and he shoots that 64 mm-hmm. yeah um, he could yeah yep so he's so he's 75 percent of the time he's not going for pits he's going for a section of the green where he has the best chance to get a 15 to 20 foot part or whatever it may be and if he pulls it onto the target or pushes it on the target so be it um yeah. but i mean it really is avoiding yeah, avoiding those positions where bogey becomes a really good score or you bring double into play. Um, you know, what leads to birdies are a lot of pars. You know, hitting a lot of greens and a lot of those, you know, 15 to 20 footers, that leads to a lot of birdies. What leads to a lot of bogeys are going for pins you shouldn't be going for. You tweak it a little bit, you go a little long, you're short sided, um, and you end up making, you know, six or seven from the middle of the fairway and you're kicking yourself every time. Like I should have just played over here. You know, every, every, everybody, every golfer knows it after they've done it. Um, but you know, that's, that's pressure of tournament golf. You're trying to think under the gun. You're also trying to shoot the lowest score you can. And, you know, frankly, sometimes it's harder for these guys because they are really good. You know, like I'm not good enough to hit a seven iron to a pin that's tucked and be like, Hey, I can pull this off. Whereas, a lot of those guys are. They can hit shots that, you know, I can never hit. And so um, it's not so much you're trying to talk them out of something they can't do. Like you said, it's just playing the percentages and understanding, you know, what's the best possible opportunity if they were to hit the shot 10 times, what's going to give them the best opportunity for the lowest score? So I would say, all right, so if I'm – when I'm playing golf – and we have a live stat scoring system, and I can just check out my phone. Coming down the stretch, the last four or five holes, I want to know what I need to do to potentially win that tournament, right? Did he even give a shit, or was he just play- in his own game, just plugging along? Just try. I mean, the last day we were, I want to say, let's think. Okay, so we were minus seven going into Sunday. So he was seven under for the tournament. Um, you know, to have a, a tournament winner, I want to say ended up what seventeen under. Um, so, so he knew it was out the out the window, basically. Well, he just knew. I mean, we had to throw up eight, nine, ten under, and hope hope the wind blew or something mm-hmm. um, on the guys ahead. So it wasn't like, hey, we're gonna go for broke. Um, you know, when you look at his the the last five six holes, it's actually interesting. So number thirteen is seven hundred seventy three yard par five. So it's a three shotter. He stuffs a wedge close on his third shot, makes birdie. Um, 
gets a bad plugged lie in a bunker on 14, makes bogey. 15 is a par, uh, par 5. This is that one up the hill um, where Curtis Luck was throwing away the, the Pro V1s. Um, he hits his second shot on beautiful, beautiful 6-iron. He goes driver 6-iron on this to like 25 feet, makes a putt for a 3. Number 16 is a downhill par, uh, par 3, kind of a, a pretty narrow green, hits it to 8 feet, makes a putt. 17, really long heart. 17 is actually the number one handicap hole. It's a long par four. Um, bunkers on the left that you can – these guys can hit it right into the bunker, and it, that leaves you about 200 yards to the green if you do. Um, misses like a 25-footer, makes four. 18, another long par four. Hits his approach shot to about 20 feet, makes a putt. So he you know ends up finishing you know – Birdie, bogey, eagle, birdie, almost birdie. Birdie's 18. Um, and of those shots, the one that was the closest was like eight feet on on the short par three. Everything else was, you know, making putts. So it's not like so he, was he like, wasn't hey. thinking about, all right, score. He was thinking about the shot in the hand. Just trying to hit the best shot he could. Say, hey, what, what do we need to do to get this as close to the pin as possible and let the variation take over? So. Hmm. Yeah. So you make it through the week, right? You finish six. D6. Do you get the do you get the Kucher treatment? How does uh how do you guys settle up at the end? The L two can treatment? It's just it's just uh yeah, high five and a beer at the Thumbs bar. Up. Like, uh, uh, appreciate it. <laughs> hey I'll we'll next time. We'll catch you next time. Uh, right, that's that's it's funny. And I told people I, I caddy it, that was the first question. Everybody like well, did he pay you? And I was like, well, you know, here's the thing. So, you know, I had no expectations going in. Like, you know, in the sense, like, it's not my daily job, right? I'm not, you know, it's like, hopefully we end up eating this week, whether he pays me or not, you know? So I didn't have any expectations. Um, and he was exceptionally generous. He... <clears throat> I, I don't, I mean, I feel he paid me like a normal caddy for the week. Um, and I don't know if that's. <laughs> I can see Chinese question. <laughs> what was that number? <laughs> you know, like, like, like most of the time, like most of the time, right? Like, you know, I guess it depends, right? Every caddy has a different agreement. Like if, if he had said at the beginning of the week, hey, I'm going to pay you X, X for the week, regardless of where I finish. I'd say, okay, that's cool. Um, if he had said, hey, you know, I'm going to get you a bunch of ping hats and, and you can have one of my putters when we're done. <laughs> okay. You know, whatever it was, um, you know, but he said, you know, basically he's like, Hey, you know, I'm going to pay each day. And then depending how I finish, I'll pay you a bonus. And I was like, that's more than fair. Um, and you know, that's always individual based on, you know, the player, their situation, you know, obviously a lot of caddies have to pay their own expenses like when they travel and things like that. So a lot of times that would go to, you know, help offset some of those costs. Obviously I didn't have any of those costs. Did you tell them out at the gate? Like, like, oh, the gate, like, look, I've got seven daughters. You did. A uh, couple of them are in college already. I have very, very big addiction so on my screen. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you can't possibly. So while I don't necessarily have travel expenses. <laughs> you can't possibly pay me enough to offset my ice cream addiction. <laughs> um, no, so he was, 
he was unbelievably generous. I, I, you know, I think it was a testament to hopefully he felt that what I did was, you know, valuable or helpful or, or whatever. Obviously he, he played really well. If he, you know, trunk slams on Friday and misses a cut by eight, does it, yeah, does that change that situation? Maybe, I don't know. Um, but you know, I'm sure for all the guys that maybe, you know, you hear about the coochers, you know, or, or, or whatever, whatever it ends up being. I get the sense that far more of these guys are much more appreciative and generous and understand, like, you have to treat the people well around you that, you know, whether you see them as kind of the service group, the, the people in the tour trucks, the trailers, the technicians, the volunteers there, your caddy, you know, people that are, you know, kind of helping you along for the week or whatever it was. Um, I got the sense that most of the players, especially other people that I talked to out there, were were very appreciative and and you know, you know, super generous. What what percentage of the field is is taking a local caddy? One percent, maybe two percent. So it's still, so most of these guys have regular, which caddies. is kind of crazy to me because those regular caddies they must be. I know the LPGA caddies get paid a dick like. like Probably the top caddies may be making 60 grand. It's not like a ridiculous amount. On LPGA, you mean? On the LPGA, because the King, they come to Kingsmill, right. and some of them are like 21 plus bonuses, like 36. So Corn Ferry, they don't get paid that much for a They're win. like 10% of PGA Tour, right? So like you basically look at it, it's, you know, 750,000 is the total purse. Um, for PJ for for a corn ferry event, and you know for an average tour event, you're you're seven plus or minus million, right? So like he finished, you know MJ finished T six, so it was like twenty four or twenty five thousand, something like that. You look at John Deere, you know that week, or you look at Barbasol last week. You finish, uh, you finish in the top ten, a couple hundred thousand bucks. So it really, you know, and then you can start kind of doing those percentages for for caddies, but um. I think I think being a full time caddy in, in in that regard, if you are paying you know your own travel expenses, all of those things, um, and your player isn't isn't performing well or isn't making a lot of cuts or whatever, like I I don't think you're exactly you know staying at the Risk Carlton every mm-hmm. week and, and and stuff like that. I think it's I think it's probably just the opposite. Yeah, that's the that's the hard part about it is. Caddies could have an awesome life, but they could also have an absolute struggle fest. And I would yeah, say, like, talking. it all depends. It all depends on what your what your golfer is doing. If your golfer is having an absolute shitstorm, a bit like uh, Spieth when he was going through at that time, I'm uh, obviously his caddy was had a had a little bit of an insurance policy. <laughs> previous, yeah. he had some money. Years. Michael Greller had some money in the bank at that. Point. Exactly. Yeah. So you're okay with it. But like Tiger Woods' caddy, I mean, I remember when Tiger Woods had his injuries and whatever, he told his caddy, hey, um, if you want to go get another bag, I completely understand. Uh, my guess is he was getting paid a salary anyway, uh, whether he worked or not, um, which probably would have been, you know, halfway decent. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I can see it just being quite a bit of a, a hard grind for a lot of these caddies. Well, and you don't for the know. Players. 
Yeah, here's a good story for you. So I was eating eating lunch with another caddy. They have like, you know, a caddy room, whatever. And caddies tell the best stories. Like these guys are, you can tell a lot of them are just kind of grizzled, kind of, I mean, <laughs> you know, they've been on the road a lot and and kind of living that life and whatever. And so meet lunch with this guy. Um, he was in our group the first two days. He currently is the, the caddy for Carl, um, Carl Yuan, who is the, I think he's number one on the money list right now. Like he'll be full-time on, on PJ tour next year, obviously. And so he's sitting there and he's like, well, you know, three years ago at this tournament, you know, TPC Colorado, he's like, he's like, yeah. So three years ago I was caddying for a guy, caddied for a guy here. And then, you know, I was like, I was like, how does that work? Like, are there, you know, is it as much as like, Hey, you can get fired tomorrow. You know, like what's the job security? He's like, there is no job security. It's, I mean, you, you can get fired on the eighth hole or, or whatever. There is no, you know, severance package or anything, you know, kind of like that. But he was saying, he's like, all right, so I'm working this event for a guy. And I'm like, hey, <clears throat> he had another caddy buddy of his that he's like, hey, you know, this other guy over here needs a caddy. Um, what, why don't you work for him for a little bit? And he's like, I, this other guy wanted him, the caddy for Carl, and I wanted him to be on his bag, but he's like, I promised this guy like four or five weeks. I feel like I need to, um, you know, make good on that. So I'm going to, he's like, as soon as I'm done with those four or five weeks for him, I'm, I'm with you, man. A hundred percent. We're good to go. Let's rock and roll. I just, I promised this guy that I'll, that, that I'll do this over here. So just give me four or five weeks. No biggie. They're like, yep, not a problem. So meanwhile, this other guy goes and, and has another caddy for the first four, you know, for those kind of four or five weeks. Um, and kind of at that end of four or five weeks, he's like, hey, you know, we're kind of rocking and rolling right now. This guy's doing a good job. I, I just kind of want to ride this out and, and see how it goes, you know, just kind of see, see what happens. And that was three years ago. Um, and that caddy is still on this player's bag. And that player is Will Zalatoris. And so, <laughs> and so, you, you know, it's like one of those things where you don't know what you don't know. Um, and he's like, yeah. So every time I see that guy, man, I'm like, you owe me like a million bucks. <laughs> like, I, no guarantees. <laughs> no guarantees. You know, you don't know. And, and either way, and it's not to say that it, it's that it's that tenuous balance of loyalty and, um, but also, you know, these guys are out there. It's a business. If they feel like. They need to make a change, whether it's with a sand wedge, a, you know, a ball, a, a sponsor, you know, types of clubs or, or whatever, or a caddy or a coach. Um, I think if, if you decide to do that, you get it. You just kind of know that, you know, everything is kind of week to week at best, you know, and that's just kind of kind of what it is. But you made it through. So you think this uh, this leads to more caddy gigs for you? You know, I I wouldn't hate it if it did. I I loved it. I loved the experience. I thought it was fun. I was tired as hell because, you know, I, I probably should have like taken up running or something a couple weeks before or tried to do a little bit more physical activity because like I said it's it's about a 7 or 8 mile walk. Um and then you got, you know, your 30 pound bag or whatever and then you know, this that but the experience being inside the ropes, I mean, it's an awesome opportunity. It's an awesome way to to watch professional sports is getting to be inside the ropes with, I mean, you know, once you're at that level, Corn Ferry, whatever, the difference between guys on Corn Ferry, guys on PJ Tour, 
nothing. I mean, from a skill standpoint, from a an ability standpoint, it you could make an argument that the corn fairy setups in some ways are harder. Like you have to go out and make a lot of birdies. Um, so it kind of suits a different type of game or, or, or different type of player, maybe a little bit, but um, you know, I love the experience. I thought it was, it was super fun. It was super competitive. It was cool to be kind of in that environment, watching guys do something that I'll never be able to do. So um you know, hopefully I think it'd be really fun to, um, you know, there's always guys need to fill in caddy for a week here and there or something like that. Boom. You fly out for one event and you do that there, you know, their regular caddy is sick or, you know, family has something or, you know, whatever. There's always, there's always reasons it has outstanding, has outstanding warrants in the state of Colorado and isn't you know allowed inside state lines, you know, those kind of things. So, um, I hope so. I mean, it was it was really fun, um, and yeah, I would have I would absolutely do it again. Um, hopefully, hopefully, it's something I get an opportunity to do again because I would I would certainly welcome it. No doubt. I am. I'm back. I do have Where, one more. Where'd I you do... go, Harry? Where'd you go? I went for was, ice it, cream. was immigration calling again? Or what? yes, like, again. <laughs> I just had to give them my ID again. Um, the question I have Did the caddies or players divulge any information on who's an asshole player on the PGA tour or someone that is super nice? Did anyone get get thrown under the bus? Um You know, not much that I heard about. Um but again, a lot of these guys that are on tour week after week, like I could tell a lot of the caddies, you know, they ate lunch together, they knew each other, whatever. I wasn't really in any of those cliques. I didn't I didn't yeah. know any of them. Um, and they certainly didn't know me. Um, and so I didn't really get a sit at the lunch table with, with any of those guys. Um, one guy I did run into that we chatted a bunch was Zach Fisher, who uh, plays sub-70. He's their sub-70 guy, really good player, played with him the last day, and he was hilarious. Uh, he was super funny. He didn't throw anybody under the bus or anything like that. But, um, you know, I would say this, that if you go and, and you watch a tournament round, um, and I think it's pretty rare that, that you get a huge flip-flop. It's kind of like, God, oh, if that guy's an ass to, you know, the volunteers – they're kind of an ass just in general, you know, or if they're, if they're going out of their way and being super nice and polite and, and, and whatever, it's hard. It's hard to do that all the time at every event, all those things, if that really kind of isn't your nature. So unfortunately I didn't get too much dirt on players or anything, anything like that, but maybe something for me to aspire to. So when, and so when you talk, when you obviously carry for the guy, uh, did was he like wowed by the U.S. Open atmosphere? Was it a too big a stage for him? Was I, it, yeah, I, was he I comfortable? He said it was a little weird at first, like with all the cameras and stuff. Um, I think that would be weird for anybody. Like all of a sudden you're playing well, then all of a sudden it's like, oh, holy shit, I'm leading the U.S. Open. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think anybody that's competitive or or, or human at all would be like oh man what is going on um 
And so I think, I think that was a huge learning experience for him. I think it makes it like anything else, probably easier in some regards to, you know, you go from that, right? Like think about this, like you go from that, the U S open, um, at Brookline, a lot of energy and things around it. And then the next event you play in is at TPC Colorado, which is a great course. It's not Brookline, but it's a great course. Um, and yeah, there are fans there. There are hundreds of fans. There are, <laughs> thousands, there are thousands of people on prop. Tens there of- are tens and tens of fans watching us. Um, <laughs> so it's got to live stuff. Yeah, out, right? absolutely. So, a difference, right? I mean, in in that way, and so I think, I think there's no way that that type of an experience wouldn't have an impact on you when you stop and kind of reflect on it. And be like, man, holy shit, that was awesome, you know, to to go through that and be uh, a part of that and and see how the course was playing and how tough it was, and yeah, and all those kind of things just changes your perspective, but. um you know, I would think if anything that will help him give him a lot of confidence for PJ Tour for sure because you're not going to play. I mean, in, in a harder event, if you will, um, from a course setup standpoint, than you know, a, a U.S. Open. You know, your your weekly PJ Tour event isn't isn't going to be set up like that. So, all right, last question. Last question. Did he know what my goal spy was? Absolutely. A lot of the play, yeah, a ton of the players, yeah, it was hilarious. Like on the first tee, or like one day, I can't remember. I think we were playing our practice. He's like, he's like, hey, this is my golf spy guy, and there's like, that is you, that is you guys. I was like, well, and they they knew all of us. They knew you guys. They, oh yeah, I was reading your testing about the balls and, and and this and that and and blah blah blah. And they're like, how's Tony's dog and blah like they're asking <laughs> questions about. It's like, oh, it's you know, he's he's good, I think, um, but. Uh, you know, obviously it would make sense, right? These guys, a lot of them are a little bit more hardcore gearheads. Um, they're more into that. The the guys on the on the tour vans, I popped in there and said hello to a lot of them. That you know, they all a lot of them, you know, know us by name and, and those kind of things. But um, yeah, a, a lot of people were, a lot of the players were very well aware of of what we do in, in kind of that, that role in the industry. So yeah, that was pretty cool. That was yeah, that's uh, cool. Yeah, that was good. So if you guys have questions, post them below. I would love to, I would love to answer other questions you guys might have what it, what it was like to, to be inside the ropes for a day or for a week and, and have an experience and, and, and kind of do that stuff. But before we go, Tony, do you have a chipper in your bag? I do not. Why not? But, but I may have Why? to add Why one. would you have to add a chipper? First of all, do people know what is a chipper, Tony? Like, I mean, it is what it's. <laughs> I mean, it's a. I mean, it's it's right in the name, right? It's a it's a club specifically designed for chipping. Um, more specifically, designed for people who struggle chipping with conventional clubs. I would think so. You know. Um, by the time this drops, it'll have been on the market for three or four days. But Ping has just released the chipper. That's C H I P capital R. So is it chipper or chip? Chipper. I, if I the know. R's chipper. chipper. Yeah, I mean, maybe scream it, but it, it's not chipper with an exclamation no. point. So or with too many vowels. Just, just a capital, yeah. but 
Yeah, it's. Um, I guess it's interesting. You've seen this before. Um, Did, wasn't there a chip? Ping has done it before. Cleveland, yeah. Cleveland had the niblick, uh, and the specifics are so it's it's basically putter length, so thirty five inches, with. 38 and a half degrees loft, I want to say, or maybe 39 and a half. So call it between an it's eight and a nine, nine, yeah, it's, like iron, a nine so iron. it's putter length, nine iron loft, and then a 70 degree triangle, which is also very much in, in line with a putter. And the idea is if you struggle from inside 40 yards, this could conceivably so help. Um, you you know, said but. 70 degree triangle. All right. So yeah. when you test one of these, Tony, are you going to take full swings with it? So we're gonna we're gonna do some stuff at, at HQ and out on a golf course. We're thinking, and yeah, one of the things is as a curiosity is, you know, what happens when you when you try and rip a a nine iron at seventy degree line? You just and go you just what well, you do is you just hit it like Bryson and you're good to go. Like well, that's incredibly upright. Yeah, so um, for people that don't get right, like a you know a stock wedge would be about sixty four degrees. Some people play them upright, but. A stock nine iron would be about ninety or sixty three degrees. So for an average standard player, this would be like seven degrees upright, right? Like, like that's gonna go for me. It's going left and then left uh, again. It's it's just keeps it going. Will, uh, yeah, it will. Um, I would say maybe cure your your chipping yips and also take the slice out. Of I mean, Harry, you could hit it like a boomerang. Uh, probably, you could probably hit it back. To yeah. <laughs> Honestly, like I so. Mean, here's, the, here's the question: Is there's only been one club that I would was considering put in the back that was unconventional, and that was the T-list driver. Um, I. And also your putter. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, I mean your your lab putter is not exactly mainstream unless it's the, no, the but it does it. Yeah, industry. I get it. All right, so two potentially, but the tealess driver, I was tempted to take out the three wood and put that in there because I hit it so well of any line. If if yeah, I mean it's a it's a problem. If so. I had a chipper, what club would I take out the bag? That's Depends that's how far the I top part. Yeah, so we we. So we kind of kicked this around, and my initial thought was you take out the highest lofted wedge, but then as we were kind of talking about it, we came up with this idea of like, well, figure out how far it goes on a full swing, and then take that one out. I would yeah, probably take out the longest iron, potentially, for me. I would take the longest iron, whether it's a four iron or three iron, probably the four iron, and then weaken the loft of my two iron so it is less of a gap between my five and two. But then again, there's a huge gap between them. There's like 20, 30 yards. Hmm. It's going to be fun. Yeah, I mean, uh... stay tuned, people, right? Because this is going to be. It's. I mean, and again, this is private. Hey, down it, but it's no, not but for it's been everybody. out for a couple of days, and it, if I recall correctly, like Ping isn't just slapping a name on it. Do it like this has the hydro pearl finish. Like it has. Like this is a legitimate golf club. Like, so it's not exactly this is the most fascinating thing. I'm reading the press release and I'm like, all right, here's the here's the the stock specifications and the the stock shaft and the stock grip grip on a chipper and then you realize like, hey, this is like any other yeah. ping club. If I want to go somewhere and get custom fitted for a ping yes. chipper, that is something I can do. You can you can go get custom fit and get absolutely dialed right. in on a chipper, C H I P capital R, 
like, like you can any other club, and certainly like you never have before with it. I, I want to know. It. I want to know. I mean, it's, it's yeah. Does the stigma translate as hard as a Bluetooth speaker or a ball retriever? Because ball retrievers. This is no. This is this is definitely in the white yes. belt iron cover kind of. But category. we found out that bull retrievers save lives, so it's multi-purpose. <laughs> and it might be your own. Yeah. The thing is, so we got the we got the press release from Ping, and it was like, hey, you know, if you are if you have anybody at the open this week, stop by our van and and see it and check it out for yourself. And I'm like. Like, is this, you know, just they have it out because they have it out and it's new? Or I'm like, or is this a, there a chance that it would open conditions he's going to put a chipper yes, and play it? I want to see it. I, I don't know. I don't know that that's going to happen. I doubt that that's going to happen. But my God, if you're looking to give a chipper instant credibility in a way it's never had before, I mean, well, it's, it's kind of like somebody putting it in play. In it's kind of image. like, um, the pros on tour when the flag stick in and out came out, right? And they were like, I just can't take myself as a serious golfer by putting the flag in and, and putting the flag in. That's probably got the same stigma, if not more, of a chip. Well, so, well and again, right? You don't, there's, there's no model local rule in place that says, hey, you know, if you do have a chipper, you're allowed to carry 15 clubs. <laughs> so, you, again, like you have to take something out and certainly at the, at a major championship level, I can't imagine anybody's like, yeah, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna drop my my high lofted wedge. I don't really need that. For well, you might not need you might not you know need what? a three wood or potentially a two iron because depending on out there, if it's if it's rolling pretty firm, like Link's conditions pretty much do, and open conditions, you could probably get your four iron rolling up to about where your two iron would anyway. So. Well, I mean, you might be able to keep. Are you going to keep that chipper on? Hell yeah! Sure. So maybe, like, who knows? Who well, knows? Stay tuned. Knows? Stay tuned yeah. for. I'll be. I, that's why I'm, I'm going to be watching the the open and just be like every every ping hat. I'm going to be like, <laughs> you got a chipper Come in there? Is guy going to going to break out a chipper? C H I P R capital. You know, we'll see. So yes, as always, post your comments below. Find us and follow us on the social medias, Harry. Go get fit, get for, fit a chipper. for a chipper at Golf by T at Golf by C. Harry Nodwell, Old English. Find us, follow us. Let us know what you think. Until next time, we out.